If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome. This month during um, uh, March and we are covering the topic of sing. And um, because I don't really know anything about music other than very, very beginner's piano, and I love singing and I, I love playing music, um, and it's definitely a big part of, of our life in our family. But I'm in no way like a specialist or anything. So I thought I would invite Alison in. And Alison I've met through some online women's groups. And, um, and I've come to know her quite well and followed her work. And she has an online business as well. She's a neurologic music therapist and brain care specialist. So I'm going to let you, Alison, introduce yourself a little bit better and what you do and what that has to do with um with singing <laughs> yeah okay um thank you it's nice to be here you know that title always confuses people because what the hell does that even mean <laughs> um i've been a music therapist for about 15 years um i started um doing i i did a bachelor of music and a bachelor of teaching and then i went on to do a master of music therapy and i worked in private practice for many many years um working in early childhood intervention so using music so as a music therapist i would use music as a therapeutic tool for helping people achieve therapeutic outcomes um and i've worked a lot with young children and i've worked a lot in mental health and aged care dementia care palliative care um i've worked with many autistic children um teenagers adults really across the board i've worked with a lot of people but in the last couple of couple of years ago i trained with the academy of neurologic music therapy um and there's just been so many advances in the last 10 years about the brain and how we know how it how it works and we have learned so much about how music affects the brain um, so what I do now is I educate people about how they can use music in their lives and in their classrooms to help support brain functioning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, we talk a lot in the village about, um, finding yourself with creativity and often, you know, when you become a mother, I always say it's a very physical thing because the baby and the soul literally invades your body when you're pregnant, you know, and then there's this kind of merging of two people and somehow you lose some of your sense of self in that way. And those boundaries that you might've had before, and it's such a profound sort of personality change and part of becoming a mother. And one of the things that we often do to start to find like who we are, what we want, you know, and to just kind of unblur those lines a little bit, um, is, is creativity. And for me, it was, um, piano. So when my third baby was born and I was getting the hang of the whole, like, um, motherhood thing a little bit more, I wouldn't have been able to, it wouldn't have occurred to me the first time around. Cause you know, when you're so much in that world, but, um, 
after my third baby was born, when he was about six months old, I started piano lessons again. And it was just so amazing. I just loved having that moment each week for me and then being able to go home and practice piano and sing songs to my kids. And we learned like the Bob Builder theme song and, <laughs> you know, got the whole family involved as well as obviously songs that I wanted to, to play and sing. But so for me, the like, I've never done it in any form of therapeutic way, but I can certainly feel the the benefits personally. But what can you tell me about your sort of personal journey um, with music and also your postpartum experience? Um, yes, and then later maybe we can talk about what, you know, how does that, what does that actually mean in terms of the, the brain science? Okay. So my story was a little bit like, because I'm a music therapist and music has been my passion forever. So up until having my children, music was hours every day type thing. So my own journey is a little bit of an extreme one, right? Because then as soon as my baby was born, it stopped. So I went from this is my life to this is not in my life anymore. Um, and it was really, really difficult. I struggled a lot after my first daughter was, after my first child was born. Um, and it was a very difficult pregnancy and a very difficult birth and everything was very difficult. And on top of that, I'd had to stop the thing that gave me the most comfort and the most ability to, you know, express my emotions and be creative and my identity. So <laughs> it was all really difficult. And I truly believe that, well, what we know about music, um, is that it helps regulate your emotions. Um, it helps, it, it lights up so many parts of your brain. In fact, when you experience music, whether it's listening to it, making it, singing it, or even just thinking it in your mind, like, you know, when you sing songs over and over in your head, not even out loud, but it's just going on in there, mm -hmm. that uh, stimulates uh, more activity in your brain simultaneously than any other thing you can be doing. What we've learned is that music gen genuinely is a language, a mother tongue in your brain. So when you're experiencing music, it is helping you function. So I had a brand new baby on my hands and I'd stopped music because I just didn't feel like I had the time. I didn't know I was consumed with baby. So it actually made it harder for me to function and harder for me to regulate my emotions and express myself. And that's not just an emotional thing that you need to do it. It's something that you need to do to actually be able to function. It yeah, I, um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I've got so much to say on this topic. We could talk for hours, but definitely it's something that happens that when we have a baby and we feel overwhelmed, then we sort of look to all these external and new solutions. Like we think we must need a sleep consultant or that we have postnatal depression or that we need some thing outside of ourselves, some expert, there's some thing that we're missing. And if we just read the right book or got the right advice, then, you know, if I was just doing this parenting thing properly, it wouldn't be like this. But actually often what we need to do is just rewind and reconnect with ourselves and think what, what brought me peace and joy before I had a baby and why don't I start bringing some of that back into mm. my life? And, and hearing you talk, the other thing I wanted to say there was hearing you talk about how music, um, lights up your brain like that. I, um, I can't see in 
uh, think in pictures. So it's just one of the little quirks of my brain. But I definitely think in music. And whenever I'm doing anything, I've nearly always got a soundtrack growing on in my head. And I usually play piano as well, like on my desk or on my legs, you know, just that's one of my little sort of things. But that's definitely something that kind of just keeps me, I don't know, like grounded and um, in my body and in the moment and also it's kind of like a fun soundtrack for my life so it's a way of sort of expressing my emotions and everything but I'd never thought about it in terms of what's that's doing in my brain what's actually going on yeah well it it literally is creating predictability our brain one of the things that we've learned about the brain is that it works via prediction so if I was to say a b c d e f you would know that the next one is G because your brain can predict it. And with a nursery rhyme, this is why nursery rhymes are so, 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 so good for you um, to sing and to hear because they're so predictable. If I was to sing that tune, ABC or the Twinkle Twinkle tune, you would know what comes next because it's just so predictable. And when something, when anything is predictable, our brain, it takes a lot of tension off the brain. It doesn't have to make as many decisions or think or process as much because it just kind of knows what's coming next which is so important when you've got a new baby and everything's yeah. new and overwhelming <laughs> changing so if we can kind of just bring us that brains back it would just really calm the nervous system mm -hmm. i'm imagining and um, yeah yeah and that's that yeah and that's, that's why yeah. simple melody repetitious that's why anything that's repetitious where the beat and the rhythm is just sort of going steadily at the same pace and it's all very um ongoing and the brain just loves that stuff because it's so predictable mm -hmm. so it really really does help you function yeah oh, i love it i love it that's so amazing are you listening to this awesome interview with a postpartum professional and thinking that this might be your calling in life too do you believe postpartum care could be a respected valued and well-paid profession but feel frustrated and don't know where to start Newborn Mothers Collective is online worldwide postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. We value human rights, scientific evidence and diversity and we'd love you to join us at newbornmothers.com. So what... Um knowing this what can people actually do like all of the mums in the village who are watching this and going that's that's great I want more music in my life you know but they might not have time or money to you know do lessons or buy instruments or whatever but what's just some really simple things that we can do that's a, the best question because I'm constantly trying to move away from music as being some kind of like exclusive thing that some people know how to do so my first tip is always around your own mind frame like music is not being able to play an instrument or being able to sing in tune or being able to afford to go to concerts or festivals to just free yourself again or any of those things. Music literally is melody, rhythm, repetition, vibration, sound. Um, so if you can do any of those things, you are using music. Uh, in a way that potentially can help you. Sorry, I've got these little flies. There's a little fly that keeps going across the um, camera. Um, so I really believe that if you can hum a tune, you're using music. If you can tap a rhythm, just if you can do little clippy clappy activities with your kids, you are using repetition in a way that helps you and helps your child. If you sing anything simple, the more simple 
the more beneficial really because it's more predictable. So nursery rhymes are the best. Lullabies, really old, you know, like old people music, like wartime tunes and stuff. They're very simple and repetitious. Anything like that, I would recommend as music for you to sing to yourself or hum or sing to your child. Singing in tune has got nothing to do with it. It does not matter at all. Mm. Um, I think that's really important because I've been saying to everyone, and I'm still going to do this, that this month when we're focusing on singing, I'm going to be doing some singing um, with everyone. We're going to sing together. And everyone's like, oh, but I can't sing. I I can't hold a tune, blah, blah. And I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Um, But I do know that when we sing together as well, a lot of research shows that when we sing in choirs, it raises our oxytocin. And I remember reading, you might remember the details of this more than me, but there's a little town in Italy that they found was one of the happiest places on earth. Um, And the reason is they uh, all sing together. So it's such a, you know, it's such a simple thing. It doesn't have to be like high art. It's just getting together and being together and expressing ourselves. Exactly. And I mean, you can sing your, your oxytocin levels arise, are going to rise just by singing to yourself in the shower. Um, but then being in, I mean, being in a choir or being in a, like a mass or like a city <laughs> with everyone singing together, that's just going to compound it and be phenomenal. But in its most basic form, anyone can do it. It's always going to be, your brain re- rewards you basically when you do things it likes. So when you sing, just rewards you with these little bits of dopamine, which make you feel great in your body. And if you've got a new baby and, you, and you're feeling safe, warm and fuzzy and happy in your body in those moments of just feeling good, your baby's going to, you, you know, you go, you, your tribe knows this stuff, right? Your baby's going to pick up on that. And it's, it's great for your baby as well as it is for you. Yeah, one of the things that we've um, always done with our children is sing a bedtime song, so like a little lullaby. And my kids' favourite at the moment is Beatles, which suits me fine. It's <laughs> very preferable to some of their usual favourite songs. Um, but So we sing every night. And um, I, my husband, a few years ago, my husband asked me, you know, when my kids were a bit younger and they were just like, it took so long to get them to sleep and that whole bedtime hours and hours and it just, and all I want to do is switch off. And my husband asked me one day, do you reckon it's actually working? Like when you sing them a few songs to put them to sleep, do you think it actually helps them get sleep? And I said, I don't actually care because I need something to help me stay calm whilst I'm going through the whole rigmarole of of um of bedtime so and and like you're saying the fact that the singing keeps me calm means i'm much more likely to be present with them and they're much more likely to be calm um so you know hopefully it does help them get to sleep but that's almost beside the point you know it's it's just the fact that it makes me stay calm and then that helps them too I mean, it definitely helps. I mean, the sleeping is a whole nother thing and there's so many layers involved in why it will or won't happen. But uh, repetition, gentle, simple melody, it's it's always going to help. And we do a lot of chanting at bedtime um, Mm -hmm. because that's the ultimate in simple melody and repetition. So um, we sing things like, my mind is still, my body is still, my mind is still, my body. Like literally that simple, that sort of chant is one phrase over and over and over. And it sort of hypnotizes everyone. And it, that stuff really works. Yeah. So, yeah. and my, my, my three-year-old, he just wants to do chants about dinosaurs. So <laughs> he, 
he will say, can we do the dinosaur song? And I'll say, what's that? And he'll go, you know, the dinosaur song, the dinosaur song, the dinosaur song. And so that's become his chant. Chanting is great because kid, you know, it doesn't matter what you sing and kids can make it up themselves. I'm going to have to start doing that because my kids sometimes say, oh, I want you to sing the song about the such and such. And I'm just like, I don't even know what that song is. I'll just make it up. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, chanting's a a really good one. Um, And even just tapping. So, or you know, when you're singing to your child, just gently tap the rhythm on them Mm -hmm. because when when you're... tapping gently on their arm that's stimulating um you know the brain body connection so if you're tapping gently on the arm that's actually creating a regulatory beat in the brain as well which helps just because some when you picture a brain that's got all those tabs open and it's overwhelmed and with children there's a lot of stuff they don't understand yet and a lot of their brain functioning hasn't developed yet so things are just sort of all over the place if you can create a regular kind of beat for them that's really going to help soothe them the sound of your voice that's another thing um whether you can sing in tune or not doesn't matter because your baby has been hearing your voice since the moment it developed the ability to hear, which is really, really early in the pregnancy, even before they have ears. So they can hear you before their ears have even developed. So they know your voice. And, um, you know, depending on the kind of attachment and and safe relationship you have, generally most babies are going to feel really safe when they hear your voice. And, the feeling of safety is one of the key indicators in healthy brain development for children. So all you have to do is use your voice. doesn't really matter what you do. There's no rules. It doesn't have to be in tune, just something simple. You can hum to them. As long as they're hearing your voice, they're going to be feeling those good feels and that genuinely helps their development. It's crazy how simple it is. Like this is the stuff that people should be teaching you when you're having a baby. Yes. And this is the stuff that traditional cultures have always done. You know, there's a story from Uganda where they sing um, warrior songs to the mother to celebrate her, like um, her rite of passage, you know. And then I was just interviewing some um, Aboriginal women recently and they were telling me they would sing songs when they buried the placenta. And I'm like, oh, what song? And she said, oh, it doesn't even matter. You just sing to God and you sing your thanks and you sing, you know, and, and they just kind of made up a little song on the spot that was like one of those repetitive little chants you know but the point is they're not you know you don't have to know specific songs there's no magic to it other than you just sing so yeah it's uh, it's something that people have been doing forever forever you know and then and now we kind of feel more self-conscious yeah and i think specifically i think our generation is what has had probably the toughest ride with the rights and wrongs of music because it never used to matter. People just used to make music. And then when we were little kids in primary school, like if you couldn't sing, they'd make you mime and you'd have piano lessons for a while and they'd be like, "Mm, you're just not going to be able to do it. You know? And so there was like maybe 20 or 30 years there where music became this thing where you had to do it right or you couldn't do it. Mm. And we're really quickly trying to shed that now for our children. I, I can't imagine anyone doing that to today's children so i hope that our children aren't going to have these music blockages that we do but there's definitely one or two generations there of women our age who get trapped in this oh i can't sing in tune or i'm not confident enough to to do it and you know that's why we've sort of been conditioned to think that there's a right or wrong way 
So for the sake of our children, if we can shed those mind frames and just express ourselves musically around them, then that will become their normal. And that's really healthy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so important when we do this stuff too, that even if it's hard for us, but that we do it um, for our children, you know, like we care for ourselves because that's how we want our children to be cared for too. Um, have you got any other sort of tips or um, anything you want to add? Um, I really want, so, hmm. I think I've given away all my number one tips in yeah. our talk so far. I really want people to understand that music is not a thing you have to learn how to do. It's an actual mother tongue of our brain. So if you are creating melody, you are doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that your children really do feel safe and loved by hearing your voice and that that's enough. Um, and yeah, they're the basics. Like, because when you, when you start with those kind of rules, I mean, I, and I, whenever I do my workshops, um, or my courses, my webinars, I always say like, I could give you 50 activities that you could be doing with your kids that are going to help them and benefit them or help you. But when you know the basic rules about what music is and how it's working, like, it's limitless. It would be such a silly thing for me to do to give you 50 tips because you can genuinely do anything like just, just a little sing song in your day, even just thinking and singing in your mind. That is helping. That is doing good stuff. So when we really understand why music is therapeutic, uh, the the boundaries are enormous. Like you really can just run with it and express yourself however you like. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today, Alison. And where can people find out more about your work and, and what you do? Yeah. Well, you can find me at alisondavies.com.au. I'll, um, I'll put the link um, below so people can great. go and find you. Um, cool. I've got a few things happening over there. I've got access to webinars that I've done in the past that you can download. So webinars about um, meltdown management and emotional regulation and different behavioral stuff, because the bulk of what I talk about with people is how to um, support your brain, like with the things we've just been talking about in a way that's actually going to manage your children's behaviors and your own behaviors. Um, so there's a lot about behavioral management over there and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. They're my main places where I hang out. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. See you later. See you. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.